So this is a touchstone film. Yes. Yeah. Disney movie. Which means... And it's a comedy touchstone. It, it is a comedy touchstone. But Dustin has already gotten where, where I want to take this train. Correct. Vivian Ward is a Disney princess. Vivian Ward is a Disney... Yes, correct. I, I, yeah. I rest my case, Your Honor. No, yes. further, no further questions. It I, is a fairy tale. Yeah. Yes. This is a fairy she, tale. She's Rapunzel. Bingo. She, this is a fable. This is not real life. If you can accept that this film is not real life, it is a very wholesome and charming film. Yes, if you can accept those things. If you start to think about reality for even In one second, <laughs> for even a moment, it all falls apart. Yes, but if you think of it as a fairy tale, it is very, very fun. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I learned a little bit about the original version of this 3000, and I'm curious about that film. I want to see, I want to see that film. I'm sorry, what? The original title for the film Pretty Woman was 3000 Oh, the money he pays. Yeah. Oh, the amount. Three like three thousand yeah. dollars. Gotcha. Okay. Was huh. that like three hundred times ten? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genrecast. We discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies class. This week's film is Gary Marshall's uh, Pretty Woman, starring Julia Roberts and a uh, Richard Gere and a Hector Alonziato and a uh, Giannano, Gia. Laura G- San Giacomo. Yeah, that, you, Good luck. You, easy for you to say. <laughs> Jason Alexander, baby. That's Jason right. Alexander, uh, which is a very fun time as well. And uh, what's a good... Yeah, we're going to talk about that movie that, you know, all your moms like. So, right? Yeah, no, every mom likes this movie. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, think that's the rumor. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So, um, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I'm still Dalton, but for the right price, it can be whatever you want it to be, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. All right, so this is the good trash Dalt podcast. Looks better as a redhead, in which we do. <laughs> you know, it's possible. I, I've got a lot in the beard. Well, know? there's there's a sort of Mulholland Drive crossover effect. That okay, we can't go there. Um, <laughs> so we do analysis on this show, not review. Even What's the difference? The difference is reviews avoid spoilers, and we don't. Ah, I see. And so this Disney fairy tale, we're not going to spoil it even though it may be very much what you expect from a Disney fairy tale. Uh, but we're not going to say that until after we've played music to let you know that that's when all spore beds are off, in case you have missed this movie from 33 years ago. Um, so what we'll do then is we'll have a synopsis, which will be spoiler-free. We'll thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, which again will tell you what the movie's about and whether we like it or not, but won't spoil the plot points. We'll move on to a little exercise called Expanding the Syllabus, in which we might spoil this film, but we're more likely to spoil films in its orbit. And then we get down to business. There's music. You know that all spore beds are off, and that is when... Uh, you know, we start kissing on the mouth. It, <laughs> Correct. That's when we catch feelings. Yep. I. <laughs> the opera plays and the music plays yeah. and we catch feelings. And yeah, yes. you, you feel it in your soul. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that clip before and I can't remember where. Which one? The, of him talking about how opera, the first time you hear oh, it, you either get yeah. it or you don't. I've, I've seen that clip somewhere. Have you seen this before? No. This is the uh, first okay. time for me. Same. Oh, wow. Uh, well, oh, both of you rookie viewers. Um, I've seen this movie many, many times. Uh, were you working at a theater when this came out? No. No, you were only, you were only 10. I would have been nine then. Yeah, yeah. nine, ten. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes. We had to work at the mines <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> in the film mines. <laughs> well, you, you see the tiny child's fingers are good for the reels. It's good for getting the changeover at the right time. You don't want to miss that cigarette and burn. And they can get the, uh, the popcorn out of the, all the little crevices in That's the seats. <laughs> you know, I sliced my fingers open on a popcorn machine one time. Those Ooh. things are slippery, mm. dude. Oh, they, they are. I thought you were saying like on a seat thing or something. No, no, it was like the the ledge like of the popcorn a, machine. Like a box knife in it or something. No, <laughs> nothing that nothing that traumatic. <laughs> Gosh. Um, anyway, no. Um, Don't go to the ward. They put razor blades in the seats. <laughs> <laughs> so Arthur, I'm going to go to you first. In thumbs up, thumbs down review. You want a synopsis? I do want a synopsis before I have that. Yeah. Thing. What yes. happened in Pre Woman? What happened in this movie? In this fairy tale. <laughs> What's your dream? What? What's your dream? Over the course of a week, Richard Gere watches the Gerard Butler movie 310 times. <laughs> That's really good. Thank you. <laughs> That's how I got the original title. During a week in L.A., a rich executive hires a sex worker to stay with him. There's only one thing he forgot to account for. Love. Boom. Boom. That's a great synopsis, Arthur. Thank Perfect. You. Really well done. well done. Very, very well done. So, uh, with that, both of you virgin watchers, I am going to go ahead and go to you first still, Arthur. Oh, okay. Do you like Pretty Woman? I get it. I, I get it. Yeah. I think is where I'm at. Um, I had a fun time watching this movie. I think that 
I finally understand the appeal of Richard Gere. I haven't seen a ton of Richard Gere stuff. I've seen Primal Fear. Primal Fear. Primal Fear. That's a fun movie. I think that's it. I think yeah, that is this... I haven't seen American Gigolo, Officer and a Gentleman. No. Yeah, big blind spot for me, yeah, too. Uh, I, I just never... I don't, I don't know, maybe one of those things my parents and dad didn't really care for, so we didn't watch the movie. I don't know, right? And the hamster so, joke, and you're just afraid. Yeah, the yeah. gerbil and the... Uh, it's weird it how is, urban legends stick it's around. So bizarre, it's funny. Isn't it? Um, how unlikely is that? I mean, just, just dear listener, in case you are abused at the thought of this thing of being a thing that happened. Do you have a friend who wants to know? No, I don't have a friend. <laughs> Yeah, nobody, no Zoomers listen to this show as far as I know. So, uh, so everybody listening probably is, knows about the gerbil urban myth. Yeah, and... My wife didn't know. But, I, I oh, mentioned really? it last night. Really? We were Keisha talking about, about celebrities. Okay. like, well, don't Google Richard Gere in a gerbil. Yeah, don't do She's that. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, I don't know all the deeds, but... Yeah. Well, first of all, <laughs> bad idea. But, 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 but beyond that, I mean, have you seen a gerbil? I don't think that's happening. I'm just, okay. You, you can get a rodent up there. <laughs> rodents can get into some small spaces. Yeah, you can get a rodent up there. If they, they can like compact their if body the down. If the rodent wants to, I've I think this is on MythBusters. It wasn't MythBusters, but I've seen. <laughs> it wasn't MythBusters, <laughs> but I've seen this. You, said, oh, you know, it might have been Penn and Teller's bullshit though. It was something that would be. A it thing. was something yeah. like I've seen the <laughs> Jamie rodents, and what's his name? rodents up a butt like myth, myth busted before, and like you can you can get one up there. Okay, uh... I, I've, I've seen an, this, uh, an yeah. unwilling rodent. Well, that's that, and therein lies the well, problem. Well, you put a little yeah. cheese. <laughs> <laughs> sort of entice it. Just a cheese whiz. I, just, <laughs> okay. It's but anyway. Sorry, Richard. Arthur, here, please tell us more about why or why not you like Pretty Woman, or why you get it. As you're saying, we are silly today. I think this movie I mentioned it last week as the definitive 1990s rom com, mm. and I think it really that's is good. right. I mean, when Harry Met Sally comes out in '89, I think. Uh, and this comes out the next year, a couple years later. And it's, I mean, absolutely launches Julia Roberts as the star, the female star of the 90s. I mean, absolute box office. We got to have her. She's a killer. Yeah. And she has a string of rom-coms that are considered, I think, classics for a lot of the moms who've seen Pretty Woman. Nodding Hills and your Runaway Brides and your My Best Friend's Weddings and just a stellar uh, career there in the 90s. Um and so it's got that reputation that precedes it. And my wife, before we watched it, she's like, well, you're going to see like probably a lot of stuff where it's been referenced before in TV or movies. Right. This is just one of those rom-coms that's kind of in the culture you know, right. in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe more so than with Harry Met Sally, uh, except for the I'll have what she's having sequence. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I didn't know what to anticipate going into this, but I get it about Richard Gere and the relationship with Julie Roberts. Cause I think they have a great chemistry, uh, especially with that piano sequence, uh, I think is kind of the peak of their chemistry here. Um, and it works. I right? agree with that. They work. I think it's fun. It's a good time. I think it sets up a lot of tropes that I would see would be, uh, fun and enjoyable to go back to. I like, there's almost a nonchalance to the way the relationship is set up in comparison to other meet cute, start dating, you know, the, the kind of the arc of the rom-com. This doesn't feel as, um, serve subservient to that. It feels like it can, it, it's, I don't know that the modern rom-com plot structure has fully cemented itself here. Right, the kind of way we understand, we get a meet cute, we date a few months, we have a fight, we break up, we reconcile in the third act. Mm-hmm. We have some of those things here, yeah. right? We have a fight, we have some conflict, but there's almost a nonchalance to the way the relationship builds. There's a, I think, a naturalness to it in in a way, mm-hmm. an organic element to it in a way compared to other rom coms. Um, I think it's fun. Uh, Richard Gere, uh, stutter stutter driving a car. Around L.A. Good bit. is a fun time. Um, a lot of the banter between him and, and Julia is is just really fun. Like they have a lot of fun moments together. Uh, her trying to eat escargot is a good bit. Uh, you know, there's just some fun moments. Them watching I Love Lucy and things like that. Um, but I think it has that Citizen Kane thing for me, where I recognize kind of where it is within the conversation of the rom com and of the '90s and of their careers of gear and and. Uh, Julia Roberts, but I think to the point of I've kind of 
seen the bits. I kind of know the thing. I kind of understand it from the cultural references. And I think, and not to say this about Citizen Kane, but I think I've seen it done better in other places Mm. that I don't know that I necessarily love it. You know, I, I think it almost has this air about it, this reputation that precedes it as a 90s rom-com as the 90s rom-com, I think, in a lot of ways, as this classic 90s movie. And I think it's really good, and I think it's really fun, but I don't know that I necessarily love it. I'd watch it again, so I'm pro on it, but I don't know that it blows my hair back in a way that when I first saw it, when Harry Met Sally did. Yeah. I, you know, that one really just gets me in, in a lot of ways that this one doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I appreciate things about it, and I really do appreciate the relationship between Gear and uh, Roberts. I think they're great. I think Julia Roberts is just incredible. We talked about Reese Witherspoon last week. Julia's again the the charisma, the star, the 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 wit, the charm, the all smile. of those things. Come yeah. on, yeah. There's yeah. There's this look that she has right that just I mean so much presence yeah. on screen, big time. Um. And so it's no shock that she would just blow the doors back in Hollywood for the next 10 years or eight years, you know, whatever her run is there in the 90s. And so I appreciate a lot of those things about it. Um, and I had fun with it, so I'm not negative, but I think I don't think it could quite reach the sort of platform that culture has kind of put it on as a rom-com, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's a solid movie. Yeah. I gave it a solid three and a half stars. And that's where I'm at with it. And I enjoyed it. I'd watch it again. Had fun. Wasn't mad about it. But I, I just think kind of where the conversation is, where rom-coms got to, mm. it just doesn't, you know, it's in that DNA, but it doesn't, you know. Fair enough. I wouldn't go back to it as right. a, you know, definitive rom-com. Very good, very good. What do you say, Dalton? Do you like Pretty Woman? I mean, yeah, two weeks in a row. I'm pretty much right where Arthur is. I might even be a little cooler than you are. I'm like right at three stars. I, you know... Much like Legally Blonde, I'll, I'll break I'll, in letterboxed terms. They both get three stars. This one doesn't get the heart from me. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, it's fine. I'm, I'm probably not going to revisit it ever. I like it well enough. You know, um, I like where it goes. I like, again, the banter's good. You know, they have good chemistry. The relationship is like relatively believable. Uh, you know, it wants you, if you can accept sort of the central conceit. Um, Jason Alexander's nice and gross. Uh, Laura St. Giacomo is really funny. Uh, Hector, come on. I always, mm, I always, so good. I always mess up his last name. Elizondo. El- 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 Elizondo. There we go. Oh, I, yeah, I'm not sure if you're supposed to say the I or not. I don't yeah. either. Elizondo. I Maybe I'm, anyway. Yeah. Love him. Always love, have always loved him since Princess Bride. I think is the first thing I saw him in, but, uh, what a, what a G. Well, no, I might be thinking of a different movie. He's not yeah. in is he? Hmm? We'll get back to. Is yeah, he in we'll Princess Bride? No, I don't or, think so. Uh, not Princess Bride. Princess Diaries. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, Princess Diaries. I think I said, yeah. Yeah. Princess, Princess Diaries. Gary Marshall Sorry, directs that, right? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Hector's one of his guys. He's also in. Yeah, because he's also in Runaway Bride. Gotcha. Yeah, I love Hector. He's so funny yeah. in this. Good really actor. great. Uh, again, like it, it all hinges on what if you met the most charming sex worker that ever lived, and it works out because Julia Roberts is so fucking charming she yeah. just is effervescent dude like yeah i you know his movie star natural yeah I, I don't get you know some people got it mm-hmm. she has that x factor if bubbles was a person yeah man it'd be julia roberts she's yeah. just delightful really great and gear yeah uh is a silver fox you know he has very little personality in this movie is not a guy i want to hang out with no i think uh, you could just stop that before in the movie yeah yeah, yeah right yeah he's He's, he's, he looked great. He's got a Jersey accent, and he looks good. He looked good. Uh, but yeah, he's a corporate raider, like not a likable person. Yeah. Which is fun. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I watched the um, the movies that made us uh, Netflix episode, the, that show. Uh, we've, we've referenced it on this uh, podcast a couple of times. But yeah, Netflix has this uh, docuseries about sort of influential films from the 80s and 90s, and they've got a Pretty Woman episode. And because obviously Gary Marshall is no longer with us, they do a, a lot of talking with J.F. Lawton, who wrote mm-hmm. the screenplay. Kind of an interesting guy. He also wrote the screenplay for Under Siege. <laughs> it was just funny. Checks out. Yeah. But almost the same movie, really. It, it is a very screenwriterly movie in that, like, when he tells you he wrote this because he lived in a shitty part of Hollywood Boulevard and would hang out at the Winchell's Donut and talk to the, the sex workers and, you know, listen to their stories because not many other people were interested. Like, it's like, yeah, it sounds like some young white dude was living in LA and, like, 
bothered to talk to some people who were living real lives mm-hmm. and got got surface details. And that's, you know, I, that's sort of what we get from this movie. And I see why it's so successful. Like, I'm just like so much more interested in the like the little bit darker version of this story because you hear that there's a darker the ending. one that really follows up with Hank Azaria's. Well, no, it doesn't even go that dark. <laughs> the Hank Azaria showing up and not being a real part of the movie is such a, th- yeah, really threw me off. Yeah. Just because, you know, you expect Hank Azaria to do something. Yeah. It's 1990, so of course he doesn't do anything. He's just uh, working stiff back then. He's voicing some Simpsons characters. Yeah, just just working. Um, but anyway, uh, it doesn't even go that dark. No, it's just they don't get together. It's, you know, oh, they have okay. a fight and, you know, he, go gives, ways. he gives her the money and she throws it back at him. And as soon as he drives off, she starts picking the money back up. And it's just kind of a, her and Kit decide to go to Disneyland together. It's kind of a perfect ending, honestly. Uh, so I'm interested in that version of this story because it's, you know, it's the real life version of this story. But I, I am charmed by this film. I see the appeal. Mm-hmm. As you said, the, the yeah. chemistry is real. It's sexy, and that's this movie yeah. needs to be funny, and it needs to be sexy, mm-hmm. and it nails both those things. So, good job, Pretty Woman, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, I'm I'm a little lukewarm on it. And again, I think it is just because of uh, it took me so long to get to it. You know, maybe 15 years earlier, I get to it, and I'm, I'm a little bit yeah, more impressed. I think so. What about you, Dustin? You've seen this before? Did you've you seen it? How many times have you seen I, The Pretty Woman? I don't think I know how many times I've seen it. I've seen it a bunch. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think this is one of those things, this is really great that it dovetails back and forth with Lily Blonde. Because we inversed a little bit from last week. Last week. And I think it, I, I caught this at the right time, and yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen it a lot, saw it a lot in college, um, saw it a lot. I think I saw it before I even left high school. I mean, I'm pretty sure I caught it at one point. I thought oh, that was a fun rom- romantic comedy. And then I caught it at Notting Hill. And, you know, those are the movies that sort of followed after that. And uh, went back into the filmography there. And so for me, it works. But again, it's nostalgia goggles and mm-hmm. being at the right time. Because as you say, like Legally Blonde, the, the dialogue itself is really smart. It's really fun. It's really quotable. Yeah. Uh, just... And just in weird ways, it's quotable. Um, I hear when I get in my car sometimes to drive off, uh, uh, my my frequent female passenger will say to me something like, lights, lights would be good here, uh, mm-hmm. which is just a yeah. nothing line yeah. from the movie, but it's just one of those things. That you've got. People yeah. be saying that big mistake, huge. Huge. All the All, time. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, come on. So, I mean, are there some data jokes in it? I mean, when she does the Arsenio Hall wolf uh, at the pole. <laughs> I liked that. that <laughs> well, yeah, yes, you would. I would. I, would like I think that. it works because I didn't even think about Arsenio Hall. I did. <laughs> But I should have, yeah. but I, I didn't. Yeah, I think it works no matter what. You're yeah, right. I, I, removed it, from the context, I think Arthur's it still right. works. Yeah. I mean, I just no. think it's Arsenio Hall's that she's doing, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, who, who's going to laugh at that anymore? I mean, I still laughed at it, but I thought, I, I thought, man, I'm old, is what I thought when I yeah. laughed at it. But again, it all works. Uh, I, I, it is very much a fairy tale. Uh, if we think of this as kind of a Cinderella story, you know, rags to riches, and we just sort of mo- have modernized it and placed it in Los Angeles, and with a little more edge, not enough edge to make it dangerous, because it, nonetheless, be, despite it being rated R and about a sex worker, it's a Disney film, um, but enough edge to make it plausibly an analog to some parts of real life. Uh, I, I think it's about the best thing I could say for that. It works as a pretty fun Disney princess story. Yeah. And, uh, and again, the, the, uh, the actors, as we've all mentioned here, we really love them. Uh, the charisma of Julia Roberts cannot be understated. And so I just want to say it one more time. Uh, she's just, she's, she's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, on screen. And, uh, yeah, it just, it, it absolutely makes sense that this launched a career, uh, because why would you not, you know, uh, she just, she is immediately so likable. Uh, I do think this movie is very much a screwball comedy. And the, the tradition of that more than it is in the romantic comedy, and so it sort of relies more on those kind of Clark Tropes. Gable, yeah, yeah, Clark it happened Colbert one night, bits. yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I think that's part of the sort of structural DNA is yeah. that the rom com is not that that '90s rom com doesn't exist yet. Yeah, it it lays a lot of the groundwork for it, but yeah. and again looks backward towards when Harry met Sally. But I think it's looking a lot further back to a lot of those, yeah, you know, Carrie Grant and yeah. and. Um, uh, Clark Gable movies and whatnot. So, anyway, uh, yeah, it's very, very funny. Um, it is hot, you know. Um, I mean, you mentioned the piano scene, and uh, I, yeah, uh, <laughs> works. Uh, so there's a, there's this, you know. Uh, I like when people kiss. <laughs> you know what's cool in movies? Kissing all the time. I mean, yeah, depend on the actors. Yeah, it does depend on the actors, probably. But you know, more or less, I want to see people smooch. 
but again, to your point, I, I I think it has to end the way it ends. I do like the sort of Florida Project ending you talked about there. That's yeah. that's a possibility for it, and that's kind right. of fun. But uh, either ways, you know, it's 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 an entertaining movie. It's quotable. It's watchable, and uh, it puts together a, a a team that's really got a lot of charisma that comes back together for Runaway Bride, and mm-hmm. it really really works uh, for that. And that. Needle, my favorite part of Runaway Bride is the needle drop of I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Oh, at the beginning, uh, yeah, yeah, which is just a very, very funny wedding yeah. song. Um, because it's, mm-hmm. it's <laughs> a funny wedding grossly, song, yeah, grossly inappropriate. Yeah. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts on uh, Pretty Woman. We are, you know, yeah, we like it. Uh, insofar as we like these kind of movies, so there you go. Uh, we're going to move on to the next part of our show, which is called Expanding the Syllabus, and Dalton's going to tell you what that's all about. Sure will, Dustin. Expanding the Syllabus is the part of the show where we deliver on the promise of our premise. We talk about the films you would not discuss in a film studies class, and we do it in a film studies type way, baby. We're going to bring in some other works, some other uh, articles. Uh, other academia uh, you know arthur mentioned last week video games yeah that comes up sometimes uh so we're, we're gonna build a class around the film pretty woman finally i get grand theft auto on the docket <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh ooh, i'm gonna circle back to that we're gonna get grand theft auto back on the class so, hold on we'll get there someday um probably when we talk about a michael mann movie um yeah, so we're going to build a class out of Pretty Woman and uh, talk to you about some of the other works we would introduce and sort of thematically how they're linked and how we would try to build build a syllabus based around this one particular text. Very good, very good. Do you come prepared with the syllabus, my friend? I do, and I am, of course, going easy mode, and I, uh, just, I just want to talk about sex work in the media and sort of the sociology of how we depict sex work. And when I saw in the group chat, you had selected that. I was sad because you wanted it. It's fine. Well, here's I figured that's where he was going to go. There's so many. Since he talked so about many. doing his sex work homework last, last yeah, time. We, we just, there's so much dude. there's so many movies about it. And like, mm-hmm. there's so much good writing on like what the movies get wrong, which I think is what we'll, there's a really great cracked article. Uh, I think they've actually had a couple of sex workers do articles for them, but there's one particular, I, I read his homework. That was what uh, the movies get wrong about sex work. And I would point you to that listener. If you're interested in this sort of thing, go check out that, that writing. Um, there's, Sort of the whole gamut we could run here, right? I think, boom, we got to talk about Sean Baker. We talked Tangerine, Florida Project, Red Rocket. All three films centered on sex work in different ways. uh, And all are sort of just about living in that world. Uh, Red Rocket of the three films is the one I have not seen. I've not seen it. uh, But I know that's loosely about the porn industry. Is it? Uh, Yeah, the main character is sort of returning home after a stint in the adult world and tries to groom this hot girl he meets into joining him back in that world. Uh, Yeah. Fairly good movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what else did we talk about? Shiva Baby. That's a recent one that we'll probably talk about. Uh, I know people like that film. Uh, I, of course, love Zola, one of my favorite, 100 favorite films. If you listen to that special we did last summer, uh, an essential 21st century American film. Uh, if you ask this, this he- film head, Zola's one you gotta watch, baby. I love that picture. Uh, and it is very much not just about sex work, but also how, like, the digital era has transformed sex work and human trafficking and sort of, again, like it gets into this very messy stuff in, in a way that takes it seriously without being exploitative or gross. But again, does it, it takes it seriously. Uh, yeah, I, the, I would very strongly recommend you check out Janix Brava's Zola. Uh, if you don't know, it's based on a crazy Twitter thread. Uh, from a few years ago that turned into um, a Rolling Stone article. I can't remember who wrote about it. Uh, but anyway, somebody wrote about the uh, the Twitter thread, and it's it's just a crazy story. Uh, embellished just a tiny bit for the film, but not too terribly much. But a really great film that features Riley Kehoe, that's right, the granddaughter of Elvis Presley, as a white girl who sort of, well, let's just say talks in a way she probably doesn't t- talk naturally. Uh, and it's very funny to have the granddaughter of Elvis Presley sort of doing appropriation in, in a film. Mm. That's just, that's just interesting media stuff. If you ask me, that's just, that's a family legacy, baby. Yeah, 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 there there's, we go. There's some choices there. It's, yeah. she, it's, it's a, a family it's, tradition. It is a family tradition and it is a high wire act of a performance, not to, uh, I, cause I think the more like stunning performance in that film is Taylor pages, uh, as, as the titular Zola, uh, I know I'm getting hung up on this one film. I just really like it a lot. And I think it's maybe the best one of these. It's gotcha. just like, again, it it takes seriously, like, the personal safety risk. Uh, it takes seriously, like, the sort of the 
the ways in which it becomes an exploitative enterprise. And that, that's one thing mm-hmm. that uh, one thing I really liked about the article I read from Cracked, uh, the author kind of keyed in like it's not exploitative and it's not empowering. It's just a job, you know, uh, and so maybe we'll get some more. Uh, heightened examples of of this, uh, the film Cam. Uh, I forget the filmmaker's name, but he just did um, uh, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. That film's a little bit more heightened, but I think maybe interesting and worth talking about for this class. Uh, Soderbergh's The Girlfriend Experience uh, with Sasha Gray. I think that's an interesting one, of course. Boogie Nights, a famous uh, porn industry film. Uh, yeah, we'll look at Monster. Why not? You know, yeah, you could talk about it a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about Pleasure. I Probably not going to show pleasure to uh, anybody. I'm not going to make anyone Ever. watch that film. Yeah. Uh, but it's worth discussing. Uh, if you're not familiar with the neon release pleasure, you should uh, do your research because uh, I don't have time to get, get into it. Uh, and I'll Paul look Sh- it up later. Paul Schrader's yeah, Google pleasure. Then, yeah. yeah, I think it's a bad idea. That'll work out for you. That'll work out great for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I, I wouldn't say, I had to. When I googled sex work in film. I was like, okay, Julian <laughs> terms are yeah, going to be really important. Yeah. Really- <laughs> Really, the SEO here is precise and delicate. Uh, yeah, pro- probably Paul Schrader's uh, American Gigolo, since we're, we got Richard Gere in the syllabus yeah, I mean, already. Feels, yeah, right? I mean, I f- feels his, like a must. You have yeah. to. You kind of need yeah. to talk about the two films together almost, I think so. right? Uh, so, you know, lots, lots and lots and lots of films that we could talk about. Sex work is a popular uh, topic of conversation in film. I think even... A few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago now, I had a class about movie jobs, and I know sex work was like one of the movie jobs I came up with because it is such a return to mm-hmm. well for the movies. So uh, that's that's what the syllabus would look like. Uh, again, there'd be we'd have to do a lot of reading about uh, this work. Maybe look at some docs. Uh, sell by date, I know, is kind of complicated. Laverne Cox dropped out of being a producer on that one because of some backlash, but uh, Meryl Streep and Rashida Jones are producers on this uh, film from Sarah Jones. It's a little bit about the industry. Uh, Rashida Jones also produced Hot Girls Wanted, which is a Netflix doc about porn. Uh, After Porn Ends is another one. I, 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 uh, some of these docs are not very well respected in the community uh, mm. of, of the profession, so I think we probably need to, with each of these, do as good a job as we could about finding you know, real conversations with sex workers about how they feel about these depictions uh, in, in media, uh, because I think that would be really valuable. Yeah. Uh, a good Hollywood Reporter article also in, in my research from last two years ago now about all of the sex work movies that came out in 2021, kind of the different ways in which they approach it. Pretty good article. But uh, yeah, that's the class. I'm sorry I stole it from you, Dustin, but I look forward to hearing what uh, you came up with. Yep. Thank you very much for that. Dalton, Arthur, do you come prepared with the syllabus as well, my friend? Uh, yeah, I think of Richard Gere. I think of Julia Roberts. Uh, I, I think you just got to think about hot celebrity uh, co-stars uh, being hot together. Yeah, uh, good talking about yeah. Uh, yeah chemistry, uh, which is a, one of those kind of rare but uh, lost arts. It feels like I don't know it's an art, but you know it's hard to find. I think pairs of performers who have chemistry uh, in the same ways. Uh, the past has shown us and I think that kind of goes along with the idea of the movie star mm-hmm. kind of fading out as well um, so we'll go back in time a little bit uh, we're going to kick off uh, with Have and Have Not uh, which is uh, the first instance of Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart working together it's where they meet it's where they uh, first uh, start hanging out and talking to each other uh, the very um, very hot moments in there uh, when Lauren tells him to uh just put your lips together and blow. Uh, we get that iconic line uh, when she's teaching him how to whistle. Obviously, it leads to them doing four movies together and a little lifetime relationship between yeah, them. Yeah, there's a lot more they do together, yes. <laughs> uh, off and on set. Um, from there, we'd look at Woman of the Year uh, with Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy again, uh, bringing these two uh, kind of life mates together uh, for the first time and, and seeing them... Uh, playing off one another, um, the hot-tempered uh, Spencer Tracy and the hard-headed uh, Katie Hepburn, and them battling back and forth, right? And their chemistry obviously extended off uh, screen as well. Uh, we'd have uh, some platonic uh, chemistry as well. We'd take a look at uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. We'd talk about Redford and Newman. Yes. Yeah. And their, uh, the their working romance. Real. Yeah. yeah. And talk about that. Uh, we jump ahead a little bit. We talk about Ocean's Eleven with Clooney uh, for two reasons. One, the uh, 
chemistry with Brad Pitt, which is very reminiscent of uh, Newman and Redford. Totally. Uh, but we'd also talk about Clooney and Julia Roberts, yep. uh, another two-hander that are just, I mean... Come on. Come on. Uh, and keeping on the Clooney train, we'd take a look at Out of Sight. I knew George you Clooney were, and Jennifer yeah. Lopez. I mean, the this, trunk. I mean, come on. That movie. This movie pauses a th- the, the, those two movies together simply pauses <clears> the <throat> thesis. And this is what I might suggest: George Clooney has chemistry enough with for two. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> chemistry enough yeah. for two. Yeah. <laughs> he, just has, he just carries with him chemistry for two. Yeah, yeah. He's, I, he's I, Brad Pitt or Broom, either one. It, yeah. Right. It, it doesn't. I mean, it's Clooney. It, yeah. Okay. Go, no, sorry. I think yeah. There's like a. Uh, it's like a gravitational force <laughs> right. that just emanates from Clooney. Yeah. Yeah. See, see also the film Gravity. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't fare too well for him. But uh, from there, we would take a look at Carol, and we talk about Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara, All right, and the yeah. chemistry that they share in that film. Uh, we'd take a look at, I think we had to talk about Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Sure. So we'd look at Joe versus the Volcano yeah. in their first instance, and the fun bit where Meg gets to play three different characters. Uh, and they all have good chemistry with Tom Hanks. That's such a fun movie. It's, it's a good time. Man. Uh, we talk about uh, last year's Spin Me Round, and we talk about Allison Brie and Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, And the okay. chemistry that they share. A, a really, uh, I think Aubrey Plaza has a, a very unique uh, charisma, and her and Allison Brie play off of each other very well. Uh, I don't know that we could get out of this class, uh, and if I did, I would need to be fired without talking about Dirty Dancing. We got to talk about Swayze and Jennifer Grey. Uh, I mean, they don't even like each other, and it comes it, off so it's so well. good. Uh, it's acting, darling, the, man. Yeah. Uh, the the teaching her to dance stuff uh, montage. Uh, Lover boy, uh, the tickle, the lake. I mean, it's incredible. What you just two, want them to pump. I mean, there's <laughs> that's all there is to it. There is a palpable tension. Between those two. No doubt. That's incredible. Uh, and then finally, I think we'd end with uh, Creed, and we'd talk about Tessa Thompson and Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, oh, good. yeah. And, yeah, and nice. in there, and, and look at their relationship maybe over the course of those three movies, but especially in that first one there. I, You know, I haven't seen all of the Rockies in quite some time, uh, so if I'm about to heresy, my bad. But I do think the Creed films like do a better job of like making the adonis bianca relationship like a more central part of the films and the the rocky adrian relationship well she gets to live for all three of them well yeah i mean well they don't kill her to like what part five yeah this is a ways in before they kill her yeah or maybe even six but i I, I do think talia shar and uh stallone they do have charisma in the first movie they do have chemistry but it is well they move talia into sort of the worrying wife yeah uh, from part two forward and so it's yeah it it's already, They're gonna die, Rocky. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Um, I, I think I think they both have. You think the, it undercuts her? Yeah, I think the screenplay undercuts her. I yeah. think it, th- those two actors together have the charisma and have the chemistry together that it would work. Yeah, but the, they just they simply don't find a story to tell that serves that in any way. Gotcha. So yeah, this would be a module about movie stars and probably a performance and acting class, which I think could be a, just fun and something yeah. I've gone to quite a few times over the last few years so i'm surprised nobody went i for both films thought very strongly about a star study class on either reese witherspoon or, or uh, Julie, last week or julia yeah. this week i am not doing that either well, well, what are you gonna teach well i think i had an idea and it's probably a bad one probably so so walk with me my friends what if someone were to teach classical hollywood cinema uh-huh. that, that david thompson book as the class uh-huh. you know the classical hollywood style and you open the course with a yes. classical hollywood film you know your casablanca or you god know, i hope you're going where i think you're going somewhere like that and then you go to no movies um younger than 30 years yes, old he is going where i think he's going <laughs> the 90s are the 50s <laughs> well not necessarily that but i mean 90s all the way up and okay. say, okay, so I'm going to talk, you know, you, you, you decided you're going to do montage, and you take something like, I don't even know, a, a recent re- representative of montage, any sports movie, you okay. know, yes. or something like that, and use that and sort of talk about the, the, that style and the cinema of attractions and, and something that's sort of a high-powered action movie. And you would use the film Pretty Woman to talk about genre studies a little bit. You talk about screwball comedy, mm-hmm. and you, you know it happened one night. Claudette Colbert mm-hmm. and uh, Clark Gable, as I mentioned earlier, you could talk about some of those sort of women type characters, the vamp kind of character, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, Theta Barra and uh, her career. You could talk about those Cecil B. DeMille uh, early comedies and their bathtub scenes. Um, they're very, very famous for bathing scenes being the one of the ways in which there's you know nudity without nudity in those twenties and thirties. Quite titillating. Quite. <laughs> 
And uh, yes, it is a... <laughs> you could do it all before the code, darling. Uh, well, yeah, and then talking about the code. Yeah. And then talking about production and uh, the sort of studio styles. And so the MGM musical, the Universal Horror, now we have a Disney extra production house for slightly more grown-up material and the way in which mm-hmm. that, that sort of transitioned through time. And, and just simply use Pretty Woman as a launching point for some of the major points in what we find in classical Hollywood cinema, uh, in both its industrial production and in the style itself, the style of storytelling uh, itself, its legibility, and the way in which the narrative works uh, along those lines. And so that was the idea that I had, which is I, close to what you were thinking, I think. Well... It's close enough that we we were probably already going to talk about it this week, but now we have to. Well, you're just reinforcing Springer's thesis that the Hollywood style has always been the classical Hollywood style. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I he's right. Yeah, uh, about that. So there you go, dear listener. Um, your syllabus just got much longer, and I believe now it's time we got down to business. Yes. teaching at UCF? I don't know. I'm just curious if either of you knew. Anyway, is that 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 was his theory though? Yeah, it was kind of his running thing. Is outside of a few outliers, the the classic style is still the dominant, the dominant style. style of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still to this day. I mean, narrative is front and center. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's fair. legibility. Yeah, yeah. I think the vibe movie is becoming more and taking up more and more film real estate as far as like. You know, we talked about this last week, sort of the current upheaval in cinema is kind of opening the door for weirder and weirder shit to kind of pose itself as mainstream. Like, uh, The Northman is a Universal Pictures release. That is a vibes movie, dude. That Mm -hmm. is a pretty, I mean, yes, narrative is front and center in its way. Well, it does feel like a throwback to kind of the 70s New Hollywood. I mean, 2001, that kind of era, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, you pick it up and I'm putting down. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, sort of a yeah, a really slow style Hamlet. That yeah. movie could have worked. I mean, that would have done Gangbusters probably in 1968 to 1974. Yeah, it's yeah, a movie that ends with two everything. dudes sword fighting in front of a volcano. Yeah, in the 50s, that movie kills. <laughs> yes, uh, please. God, I love that movie. Uh, so I guess let's talk about my thesis that I bring up every once in a while. I guess it does kind of feel linked to your guys' Professor Springer's. Uh, the thoughts on the classical style. But, I, you know, I love to shout this thing. The 90s were the 50s. And yeah. what I mean is they're both the post-war era, right? We sort of, whether it's the end of World War II or the end of the Cold War, we're looking at this period in American media and American supremacy uh, where there's just this this cultural hegemony going on. And America really finds itself feeling unbeatable. And, uh, you know, China hasn't started making blockbusters that uh, beat ours at the box office just yet you know the uh the global film market hasn't started to assert its independence from the u.s in the 90s right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we are still there are rumblings but it's not happening yeah yet. streaming yeah. video is is a twinkling in some tech nerd's eye like it isn't even thought to be possible yeah. yet you know so we we are living in a bygone era it's blockbuster yeah. video time bingo it's, yeah. this, it's the last hurrah for the studios right i mean yeah we're seeing a rise in independence in uh movies but Distribution of independent cinema is still not where it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Outside of major metropolitan areas. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and then of course there's just the the sensibilities are very similar. I think there is a, as you said, it's not just the classical style as far as narrative being straightforward, but I mean this sort of. I mean, there's you even see it in some of the nostalgia for a bygone era. I, we talked about The Sandlot last week, and sort of mm-hmm. that's a film that comes to mind for me a lot, even though that's sort of takes place in the early 60s. It's tied up in the same sort of Americana nostalgia. Well, it, the nostalgia for a fairy tale, yeah, right? It's exactly. like we got a rough, gritty sort of LA. This is the real world, but in this real world, you can still have a Cinderella tale, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it takes place mm-hmm. in current LA, and yet there's a princess on every corner. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, and it, it, it does feel like it, it has. It's it takes place in the land of make believe in a way that only the '90s cinema mm-hmm. could, and and the '50s. I mean, I think you're right to bring up it happened one night, which is very classical, you mm-hmm. know, and and sort of sets the template for a lot of what we expect from the rom com. So, I mean, even that shows you goes back to the '30s. I mean, right. some of these conventions are as old as cinema itself, but it's it's just interesting to me, like 
how much studio fair of the 90s is like afraid to, of darkness yeah you know it's, and, it's and just it's, so wrapped gesture up in, towards it i think about some of those uh, rock hudson doris day films mm-hmm. you know in which there there are some sort of like this is the wrong kind of guy and this is uh you know sort of uh, a, a love that really can't ever work and they find a way to either make it work or you know uh, if it's a melodrama kind of weepy, sometimes they don't. Mm. But the, these these kind of movies sort of play with that that heavily um, chemistried couple uh, again and again. It's all acting yeah. uh, in this case uh, with Rock Hudson and Doris Day, mm. and uh, very well performed. Uh, again, sort of reinforcement of you know classical hegemony as far as um, sexual relationships and you know marriage and the. You know the union of the heterosexual couple at the end is sort yeah. of, well. That's a classical Hollywood trope. I mean, it's a plot and b plot, right? Yeah. Is uh, the the sort of standard of Hollywood. Yeah. And so you've got the Western John Wayne who's got to get the wagon train across, but the b plot is he's got to end up with Dallas, um, the sex worker in yeah. that film. And so that's yeah. yeah. And they ride off into the sunrise. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty classic stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so is I mean, so you've mentioned the trope now. Mm-hmm. I guess we could talk about the the sex worker with a heart of gold mm-hmm. and sort of this kind of really long running trope that, I mean, I predate cinema, you know, I mean, yeah. this is a, this is a storytelling convention for, I mean, you get all kinds of sex workers in fiction, but I mean, definitely the, I can fix her <laughs> is definitely <laughs> yeah. pretty, yeah. Should, you see that one a lot. Yeah. 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 I don't I, you know, and this film's like, I don't know. I think the film like definitely could be worse. It like definitely dodges some of that. Well, and I think the, the sort of you know the initial ethical impulse towards the um, sex worker with the heart of gold or hooker with the heart of gold, however you want to say it, um, kind of trope is that she's somebody's sister, she's somebody's daughter. Mm-hmm. If we remind ourselves of that, now go. I'm a father of daughters. Yes, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. You know that that that. Then, okay, now we can humanize this, and it, it's sort of like we'll, we'll tell a story that humanizes you know, a person from this class of human, this, this, this vocation. And so it seems to be a movie of that same kind of impulse. Right. Mm. Uh, but also you've got to find the, 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 the good ones are the special ones who are completely unlike anybody else who really don't belong, you know, quote unquote belong there. Yeah. Which is problematic. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Right. I, you know, and this film, I, I don't know that it necessarily falls into any of that. Mm hmm. And it very easily could. And, yeah. you know, it, you know, it presents us a realistic person. You know, she's a high school dropout. She followed a dude to L.A. Like, these are realistic human stories that, like, this shit happens, yeah. you know. So I, I am. And it, it never is like, I don't know. One of my favorite moments is uh, I, I never treated you like a prostitute. You you just did. You just did. Yeah. It's a great moment. Yeah. And, and like is sort of really great because it, like, kind of encapsulates the film. Like, yes, Richard Gere is gentlemanly let's say throughout the film and yet there is always this underlying unspoken thing about their relationship and of course he thinks he's a good guy because he never invokes it but boy does he not hesitate to bring it up Mm -hmm. if he gets the chance if things aren't going his way and it is sort of i think one of the most realistic beats in the film is like him showing that like despite his sort of general charm there is still like you know, the same sort of cultural attitudes. He's a, he's a malformed person, right? Yeah. 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 Well, and again, like, which the, is another trope by the reason, the, the thing a, a small or immature man needs is just the, the love of a good woman. Mm-hmm. Right. And that'll, that'll grow him up. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty classic stuff, you know, and, uh, one of the earlier drafts, he is not broken up with, uh, he's cheating on a significant other. Oh yeah. Uh, during the, the course of the film. Yeah. Again, just more, 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 uh, unlikability stuff mm-hmm. in the, in the original script. It sounds like, uh, it is weird how the him breaking up with his girlfriend at the start of the movie plays. It's kind of like whimsical, like cheery opening credit score. <laughs> and he's as he's just like, yeah, get out of my apartment, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Bye. <laughs> it's just kind of a weird breakup call. I got dollar bucks to make. I got to go. Yeah. It's just like, he's already a divorced guy. It's weird that we start the movie with him breaking up mm-hmm. with it. Just like the movie wants you to know, don't worry. He's single. <laughs> okay. Whatever. It's just real touchstone moment stuff. Uh, this movie kind of got found in the edit, I learned, which I think is interesting. Oh, really? Yeah, Gary Marshall was on on real like, all right, do a serious one. All right, do a funny one. <laughs> now surprise me. Like, he was on that bullshit. Yeah, that so he was out. in the edit bay with uh, 
they they've got the uh, there's two credited editors but they only had one editor on the movies that made us episode but priscilla ned friendly's her name and uh, yeah talked they she, they interviewed her and she talked a lot about being with gary in the edit and trying to like find the film and mm. you know jason alexander talks about seeing the film for the first time being like we we shot that we this is the movie we made like people just did not it was kind of a chaotic set it sounds like but yeah. uh, mm. they, they made it work but, well, it sounds uh, like they might have did multiple takes too. Then a more yeah. serious take, a more silly take, somewhere well, in between. The a exactly, take. yeah. The um, the clamshell <laughs> shutting that I knew was you knew that was for gag reel. Yeah, that was a gag reel shot. Yeah, yeah it was I, a gag reel shot. And they kept it. Yeah, all that, kinds of fun stuff. And her reaction uh, is just it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely perfect. Yeah, she's just she's just great mm-hmm. you just love her she's so charming i'm sure she's terrible in real life there's no way she's not a <laughs> terrible person i you know i want to believe at this point at this point uh you never know some some of them managed to get through unscathed yeah i mean she's like a real person she comes from a real like yeah, not I, hollywood background i think reese witherspoon also probably still is fairly nice you know? you're right emma roberts is probably the one that's terrible i've heard that maybe <laughs> too. well you know eric is no, no prize apparently, well, as 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 the rumors go. Uh, well, I mean, can you blame him? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I don't know. It's weird, weird how he like his star crests and then just immediately drops off right as his sister like blows, blows up. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, and also that they were already estranged. I think. Oh, really? At that point in their lives, yeah, hmm. they're both like trying to make it as actors. I don't know. I'm not a Roberts family biographer. I should no, not I'm pretend not I, I, I know she married Lyle Lovett for a little while there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. 92. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Wow. Good for Lyle Lovett. <laughs> not right. I mean, I know that's what everyone said at the time, but, you know. <laughs> All the ugly guys, just, we pump our fists. Artists, yeah. artists find each other, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking of the reasons Allie Larder married that 60-year-old man in last week's movie and... Yeah, we didn't really talk a lot about how money enters into that relationship last week. Um, because it doesn't. You know, she's like self-made, which yeah. is kind of an interesting quirk yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I but guess we packing. should... You know, should we talk about... Uh, <laughs> that is the, the joke about him packing, and that's really good. We can't believe we didn't talk about that. Well, I was going to say this, though. We, we've already touched on this as well, but the way in which the movies that we get, the reason why we get the movies that we get in the form that we get them is at times because of prior success of screenwriters, of directors, of stars. And in this case, we have one of those instances where it is two stars together. It is a acting troupe. You know, this is part of that sort of production package deal mm-hmm. where you're able to package this sort of uh, stable of characters. In, you know, this is sort of post-classical uh, Hollywood insofar as we don't have studio players under contract any longer. Yeah. But directors, Gary Marshall's able to get um, Hector Lanziato, uh, able to get uh, Richard Gere, able to get Julia Roberts back together again. Well, they have Julia already, to, which is funny because like the producer sees Mystic Pizza and bring at like a friends and family screening mm-hmm. and brings Julia to the screenwriter. And so they're like going around town with Julia attached to it and they're trying and to get gear. They can't get gear yet. He doesn't want it at first. Mm. Thinks the guy's an asshole. As like the earlier version of the script. Well, kind of right. Yeah, exactly. So, but it's interesting. There's a very cute story about Julia Roberts like passing Richard Gere a post-it note during the meeting. A please say yes post-it note. Oh, yeah. yes. Which is kind of how he decided to do it. They, they've they've told this story in a reunion Totes special. You. That's adorbs. Okay. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying though. Like it is very much like it's the package deal of the two of them. Mm-hmm. Like it really, a lot is hung on that. And so then, then that's what happens is, is that, well, we've got these characters together and that they, you know, sometimes it's just sort of doing a favor. Hey, I've worked with this guy before, mm-hmm. you know, the way in which Hollywood's kind of a small town in that sense. But there's also this uh, interesting way in which, you know, you get these two people together and you get Dwayne, the rock Johnson next to, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Thank you. My brain just went away. Sorry. Right. Get them next to each other. They're like, this works. We'll do it again. This works. We'll do it again. And until whatever, it doesn't work, until <laughs> until it doesn't work, we're going to keep on doing it. And there is a lot of that that happens there. Uh, Wes Anderson films do this a lot. You know, Wes Anderson's sure. just got this uh, stable of actors that like yeah. to work with him. Yeah. And the movies tend to be successful enough to keep making more movies. And so we see that same sort of stable of actors working together. And this this shows the way in which this is sort of developed. Unless a you know they're not you don't see Julia Roberts in every Touchstone movie. Yeah. But you do see her in every Gary Marshall movie. Well, not necessarily every Gary Marshall movie, but, you'll, but you see this sort of rolling set of characters. Or you'll see her work with Gear again. Or you'll see her work over and over and again with George Clooney yeah. in the same kind of sense. And because they've had previous and prior successes. Yeah. I mean, right now you've got everybody buzzing about De Niro getting his two large adult sons, uh, Leo and Bobby D, together for mm-hmm. Killers of the Flower Moon, right? Like, yeah, yeah it's his. 
yeah, people get their little stable of collaborators and, you know, it usually turns into something very fruitful. It's, it's fun. It's, yeah. yeah, it's fun how that kind of works and out. And again, it's one of those sort of ways in which you can sort of chase the dots of various actors and careers. Yeah. And, and again, just sort of the, the nuts and bolts of how we get what we get when mm-hmm. we get these films. Um, I, I don't know if this is worth bringing up, but I, I, I'm interested in it. So I'll mention it. Uh, Lawton, I think is that, that's not his last name. Anyway, the, uh, screenwriter, um, yeah, it is Lawton. J.F. Lawton talked in this, uh, the movies that made us, uh, about some of the other details of the original script and in the, you know, just some of the darker choices. Uh, Vivian is a drug user. Uh, they don't, he didn't get into what her, her, uh, situation was, uh, but is a drug user in the original script. And it definitely, I don't know, it's just stuff like that. It's little stuff. It's mm-hmm. just like, you know, which isn't to say like you have to have a drug habit to fall into sex work, and, mm-hmm. and even the language I just used "fall into" is sort of right. loaded. And wish I'd chosen a different way to phrase it, but you know, it's this movie has an interesting relationship. It does not want to demonize Vivian. Like you can tell, it is coming from an empathetic place, and it is trying to lead with that, and yet it like is still a product of of its time and its society. Mm-hmm. It's still a product of a society that largely criminalizes sex work. Well, that's I think Kitts uses the foil for that. Sure. It, it, it is the, is the thing that the spends all the rent money on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is what she could become, you yeah. know, yeah. given enough time. Yeah. She hasn't been at this quite long enough. Mm-hmm. So that there's still time to save her. Right. And so we're all rolling her eyes. Of course. Right, right. And so that's kind of where the movie can kind of play. It's yeah. more classical kind of empathies there. Well, and it, Kind of, it has that moment, right? Like, uh, what happens after he saves her and she saves him right back? I mean, it is some that is really they are going out on. Well, they've even got the guy uh, walking uh, who appears early in the, the dreams, film, the the dreams guy. Yeah. Yeah. What's your dream? Yeah, yeah. I very you know very Gary Marshall ending. Like mm-hmm. I you know from the dialogue to the pan out, like it is very classical. Uh, does it work? What do I mean? If you've already bought into the fiction of the film, yes. I think that that's really the key, you know, delineating factor. You know, last week we talked about Victor Garber making a weird and not entirely in fitting with the screenplay pass at Reese Witherspoon's character in Legally Blonde. And here we have Jason Alexander uh, attempting to assault Vivian. Just a weird beat. It's a weird beat. To, especially with like 10 minutes, 15 minutes left in the movie. Right. But I do think they set it up. They do. They do. Yes. Yeah. I think it is like a little bit more... It's not surprising. ...written into the in, film in, than in last the week's that that issue. Yeah. yeah. Not expected. But it is still, I mean... Yeah. Dark, Pre- but... Pretty dark and heavy. Kind of expect it. And not wanted to... And the film doesn't really want to deal with it outside of like... Okay, well, yeah, Richard Gere was there and everything's fine. Well, I think the movie does kind of want to remind us of the sort of realities, realities of that world a yeah. little bit that she's that this is where she's going back to. Yeah. And I think that's part of what the movie is. Like she's picking and choosing not to, you know, be the kept woman in this mm-hmm. sense in order to, you know, figure out her life or do whatever she wants to do next, but this is a possibility of what her future might look mm-hmm. like. And I think I think that's that's a good way to sort of raise stakes, probably. Yeah. Although, I mean, I don't care for an assault ever in a movie, yeah. you know, for the most part. So, yeah. It's kind of weird stuff. Yeah, uh, It's funny you bring that up, the idea of her being a kept woman, because there's, there's multiple times throughout the film that Vivian, like, sort of asserts her autonomy over a desire for security, right? Like, Kit kind of pitches her, like, what if we had a pimp? Like, there's a... I can't remember mm-hmm. the character's name, but there's a character she mentions. Like, yep. you know, what if we worked with this guy? She's like, no dice, not a chance. And that's sort of the exact same reaction she has to Richard Gere being like, I can get you an apartment. Mm-hmm. Like, right, like being my, my kept L.A. woman is it's the same thing to her. She's like, no, I'm just this is just servitude to some dude. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, considering that a lot of the creatives on this are, are men like it's you know, good stuff. You know, it's the, the film is at the very least like trying to consider these things, these questions of autonomy. Uh, but again, I, I, it comes back to making me think about that, that article, that cracked article I mentioned about like the sort of insistence that it must either be exploitative or empowering, right? It has to be one or the other. It's like, well, no, it's not necessarily could just be a job, Yeah, you know, jobs are jobs. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's interesting. Yep. Any other big thematics on a uh, pretty woman? No, I don't think we're going to solve U.S. attitudes on sex work today. So no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that. we're going to fix any problems here. So uh, all right, let's run to a verdict then. What do we say with this film, Shelf or Trash? Arthur, you go. 
I think I am going to ever just so gently uh, set this in the trash. I, I don't know that um, my life or knowledge of film is any better for having seen it. I, I think it's fun. I'd watch it again, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. Very good, very good. What do you say, Dalton? My appreciation for Julia Roberts is renewed uh, and rekindled uh, and, you know, brighter and shining brighter than ever. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, love her to pieces. And I'm so glad I finally caught up with this, like, iconic performance, truly. And same with Gear. I'm with Arthur now. Like, I get it. Yeah, I'd, I'd check out American Gigolo. I'm like, I like Paul Schrader. So, yeah, I got to get to that one now. But, yeah, stream this. It's fine. You know, I, I see why Dustin likes it. You know, and I see why, like, a generation he's of people... Old. Well, yes, it's because exactly. I'm old, yeah. It's because it's a classic. It's because it's a classic. Yeah, classic. It's so funny to see it listed as a classic on Hulu. And they don't even have a, a plot summary. It's just like, Julia Roberts and Richard Gere in this classic comedy. Yeah. Because it's yeah. all you need to know. It's all you need to know. Because everyone like, who's going to watch it already has seen it. Yeah. Just kind of interesting how this one's turned out. And, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Dustin. It's that, I like it. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of, like you said, It's we've dovetailed nicely. We're sort of shoes are on other foots from last week. Because it's it's a stream for me. And is this is a shelf it's for you? It's a shelf for me because yeah. I did catch it. It's already, it's yeah. already on the shelf. Yeah. I mean, I've owned it for a long, long time. Yeah. And it comes down, you know, periodically. And, again, if I'd caught, since we're, you know, sort of putting this back-to-back against the Legally Blonde show from last week, if I'd caught Legally Blonde at the right time, it would have been there. Sure. You know? and I, because I think they're both really, really solid, um, female-led. Uh, one's a rom-com, the other one's not. But they're still the sort of you know female-centric kind of storytelling with, with strong comedic beats. They are, in that sense, the same kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. Super quotable. Again, great um, supporting cast performances. And it's just, you know... You got to be the place to catch them at the time. Yeah, and when you do, it does. It, they catch fire because I think both the I think both the movies are electric in that sense. But the voltage is not turned on permanently, and so you have to catch the wire when it's when it's actually electrified. Yeah, so, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, you are working with the metaphors lately. I don't know what's wrong. With troubled me. waters, live wires. You're cooking. I, <laughs> I love it. So there you go, dear listener. That's the end of our thoughts on Pretty Woman. Dalton's going to tell you how you can tell us we're wrong about everything. Oh my God, I don't even want to begin to know how we're wrong on this one. God help us. Uh, if you want to talk to us about Pretty Woman, you can send us your feedback to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail dot com. That's goodtrashgenrecast at gmail dot com for that long form feedback. You can follow us on the socials we're on uh, elon musk's very bad website uh, at good trash media it's at good trash media on twitter it's pretty much the only place we're active uh, but we're on all the podcast apps uh, your apple podcasts your spotify's your stitchers wherever you get them you can put this in your ears there uh, go to our podbean website i don't know that's another place you can find us uh, find all the shows exactly every episode we've ever done feeds should not be lost uh yeah that that's all on podbean baby um if you want to help support this show you can go to patreon.com forward slash gtm and that is where you can get info on uh, helping us keep the lights on and uh yeah we'll we'll send you a movie or you can pick a movie for the show there's different tiers different rewards you can go find out all about it at patreon.com forward slash gtm dustin we are bringing back host picks, a thing we've not done in quite some time. And since you were the impetus for this, you said, hey, how come we don't do host pick? Uh, Arthur said, we're doing it now. Yeah. So you get to pick a movie next week. So I have invented a marathon because we have just watched a couple of very interesting movies. We watched Legally Blonde and we've watched uh, uh, Pretty Woman now. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wouldn't it be fun to think about, well, these fairy tales over various decades? Um, because uh, Legally Blonde is an ugly duckling, but it's a brain story or mm-hmm. a degree story. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have uh, Pretty Woman, which is a Cinderella story. Mm-hmm. And so let's just go really on the nose with it with 2010's uh, French film from Catherine Briol, The Sleeping Beauty, uh, okay. which is uh, a modern, uh, t- again, retelling of the story of Sleeping Beauty. It's called The Sleeping Beauty from 2010. If it's not in French, it's the wrong one. There's about six or eight of these movies oh, uh, with these titles. So be sure you get the definite article Sleeping Beauty, directed by Catherine Brio. If you're watching at home, it's a good time. And uh, yeah, it's a retelling of that particular fantasy story. So that's what's happening next time, friends. All right. I look forward to it. Yo, you keep watching. We'll keep talking and we'll see you all next time. I'm not sure.